Thank you, everybody, for joining me today for another episode of Real Talk with Adriana. I'm sitting here today with Rick Kuroglian, the Assistant City Manager for the City of Brush. Um, thanks so much, Rick, for being here. I appreciate it. Yes, thank you. So, a couple questions that I have for you. So, um, first off, tell me a little bit about you and who you are. Yes. So, I am originally from Washington, D.C., um, grew up half my life there, and then the other half in South Carolina and Georgia. So, parents end up splitting up like some parents do, mm-hmm. and uh, moved around to big cities, Washington, D.C., Greenville, South Carolina, Columbia, South Carolina, and then Augusta, Georgia. So that's where I spent the last part, part of my life in, in Georgia. So I'm a Southern person. <laughs> Even though growing up as a kid, you wouldn't consider Maryland at all. That's more of Northern. But, you know, to the South, they think that's North. To them, they think <laughs> it's more neutral territory. But, okay. Um, so, yeah, I um, grew up in many different places, seen a lot of things. Um, and I do know one thing is the majority of people are good and um, enjoy working with people they know and trust and also know in, in my experience is that people love to live in cities and that there's a mass um, movement to live near cities and so you start seeing metropolitans and gentrification take place and so I firsthand have um, lived in it and also been part of those things in my background experience Um, especially in Augusta, I was hired by a church, uh, First Presbyterian Church in downtown Augusta, to come and be their uh, director of community development to try to transform a really distressed downtown neighborhood that was surrounded by housing projects. But it was also one of the, it's the oldest neighborhood in Augusta with the historic homes, uh, big Victorian homes lined up down the streets, Mm -hmm. and most of them are in dilapidated condition. Um, or turned into quads and kind of apartment style. Okay. So that's they hired me to come in and um, do do large community projects. And in that is where I began to network from some of my past experience in medical device sales. Is how do you do a territory? Well, you build relationships with doctors, mm-hmm. and then you concentrate yourself understanding what their products are, and then you begin to um, slowly bring solutions to what the doctor needs. And um, and so usually what happens in sales communities is they want you to um, over, overwhelm people with features and benefits so that they can see your products. Um, and then they train you to light a match and see how many you can get in before the match <laughs> goes out. And so it's nerve-wracking. But <clears throat> the more you do it, the more comfortable you get. But there's a problem because people, doctors specifically, don't care about your products and they have other things to do and so when mm-hmm. you start talking without thinking and asking questions then the doctor's already lost focus so i turn my attention to just listening to what the doctor who he is where he's from what it, what his specialties are mm-hmm. who's important in the office building friendships with them and not saying anything about what i do or my products and then eventually they start asking you know, you're different. Why? You haven't told us anything. So then they start asking me, and now I have a right to talk to them mm-hmm. because they've opened the door. I'm not forcing a door. <clears throat> Works the same way in community development. You talk to people. You learn who the influencers are in a community. You build a relationship with them, and you start asking them questions. So my whole time in Augusta, I did large projects 
none of the projects were my ideas. All the projects were listening to the community members, um, asking them some questions, and then doing those projects with them. Wow. And that was it. And so I'll give you an example. I'd walk in, I'd set up a meeting with um, whoever was the, the influential person in that neighborhood. Okay. So I used to call them the mayor, try to find the mayor. Right, you know, the mayor who, of that little correct, community. Who of. everyone goes to when they have issues, mm-hmm. and then that person helps solve and bring solutions. So I talk to them and say, what, um, what do you love about this place? And I just want to hear, like, what, what's the character, um, the passion? It may be a, a dump, but mm-hmm. what is it that they love? How long have they been there? Um, what would you like to see happen that's different? What would you want to do to make it better? And then who else should I talk to that you recommend that thinks like this? Mm-hmm. So now I've built up a, a, um, a, a wealth of knowledge to listen to what the community wants. And then after a while, you, I might find five or six people who just said similar things. Mm-hmm. So then I form a meeting just with those five or six people and say, um, you guys seem to all be interested in fixing such and so. Maybe it's the broken sidewalks. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone seems to mention people are falling, hurting, or trash and tires are dumped everywhere. Mm-hmm. And we focus on one project. Let, let's focus on this. And then uh, we, set, <clears throat> we set up an event, just like everyone does, does events. Mm-hmm. And then we invite the locals, because they're already the influencers. Yeah. It's their project. I'm coming alongside with them. And I may bring some resources. I may mm-hmm. call the city and call other people who have you know, a dump truck that we can put, or a dumpster mm-hmm. that we can use. And they get so excited because it was their idea. Mm-hmm. I'm just coming in, helping them accomplish it, and then we celebrate. Yeah. And then we, we do like a block party to celebrate. Oh, now they awesome. get excited, and it's like, now what? What's next? Mm-hmm. So then they see wins take place, and it always moves into injustice. We're going to combat something small that always leads going back up the stream to the injustice that's causing it. Mm -hmm. And so 12 years of doing that. Wow. And seeing it in it became where I started a nonprofit that focused, because I moved from doing church work to then nonprofit work because now I got lots of churches to do it with me. Mm -hmm. So instead of it saying, oh, that's just First Prez's project. No, this should be the community of faith's project. Yeah. We're going to do it together. So we started this huge association of community-minded faith initiative projects. Wow. And then it led to, hey, um, would you be interested in being on the Planning and Zoning Commission? And sure. And then now now you're on an executive level making decisions for the whole district because I was the downtown Mm -hmm. representative. And so now I get to speak into bringing solutions to the whole district. Mm -hmm. And then you're really good at this. How about, would you be, would you like to join the board of the downtown development authority? So I was asked to do that. Wow. So just one thing led to another another situation. Mm -hmm. And that led to, um, um, the environmental services calls and says, we have a project, but we, we'd like to have your insight to think through these things. We have an executive team. Can you come in and share some um, strategies to kind of help guide us? Then the marshal's office does it. Then the sheriff's office does it. And then Parks and Rec does it. And then now, so these are department heads in the city of Augusta asking mm-hmm. me to come along and do initiatives with them to make their departments better. 
And then I remember walking into the city administrator's office, mm-hmm. and I, he closed the door, and I said, I want to talk to you. And he just kind of dropped his head like, everyone <laughs> comes in and wants to complain. I said, I'm not here to complain. I'm just saying, what what would you like to do that you haven't been able to do? A, a desire that you'd like to see happen, and I'd like to help you do that project. Wow. And, and not, you don't have to pay me. It's just, just come along saying, I want to help you do something. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of surprised. So he gave me a project, and it it was uh, planting trees. Okay. Uh, so there was a huge storm that came through and knocked out 50 large oak trees. Oh, wow. In, in downtown Augusta. It was like a row of oaks, mm-hmm. that, that kind of thing. 50 were knocked out. Oh, wow. That's a lot. So um, he let me lead a charge of uh, planting and getting um, five-inch di- five diameter trees, 50 more planted. Okay. We did it, and we that led to planting another 150. <laughs> and then he was like, wow, this is great. So then he gave me access to department heads and other access, and um, it was just incredible. It's like catching mm-hmm. the bug of seeing a city transform. And then the news are like, what's going on? And then they call <laughs> and started other initiatives. But that's really kind of the bug that got me started into city administration and mm-hmm. others saying, you should go into city administration. You'd be good at this. Well, and you're really putting, honestly, to to work the saying that everybody says, you know, be be the change that you yeah. want to see happen. You you really you really did that. Yeah. Um, never thought about that, but it just really came of um, how do you stop the drug dealing? That's where it really started. How do okay. you shut down? And it really came down to um, people felt uh, um, oppressed, okay. and they were in fear of retaliation. So that's why they didn't call the police. Mm-hmm. And so I came up with a system. Oh, here's another thing, too. I found out after meeting with the police department that public information was anything that when someone calls, like, 911, mm-hmm. um, somebody could, a drug dealer could call in and, and request who called that number. Oh, God. And they were obligated to give them those numbers. So yeah. now... The power was in control of the drug dealers, mm-hmm. so they knew who were calling, so then they would oppress them and shut them down. Yep. So I decided to flip the power. <laughs> I created a phone tree system, so whenever we saw drug dealing, that person would call the, uh, this number, they'd text it or call it, and then it would route to the whole neighborhood. And then oh, we okay. would all call the police. So wow. now you had 50-plus people calling about a drug deal. Mm-hmm. So now there's 50 people watching him. Versus, and he couldn't and shut them all down. you're kind of all watching each other yeah. instead so of just one. So literally, overnight, mm-hmm. no open-air drug dealing. They wow. still were doing, but not in the middle of the street anymore. Because mm-hmm. they were afraid that... And then we, we had the cops come, and, um, you know, every, every beat, there's an officer that comes in, mm-hmm. and they have to do paperwork. So we had them do their paperwork in front of the drug house. <laughs> so imagine the the clientele who's coming in to buy drugs, and they see an officer sitting there. Mm-hmm. They keep going. Yep. So business drops. Oh yeah, I can. They have imagine. to relocate to different areas. Mm-hmm. So you have to mess the, the whole system up before they see change. Yep. And well, then and the other the, the 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 last thing that we had done that brought significant change was, I learned this system, of, house watch. Okay. If you're going out of town, you can call the police. And ask them to um, place your house on house watch. On every beat, an officer would come and just drive by your house and see mm-hmm. if everything's okay. Okay. So we started putting our homes on house watch, and then we started putting the drug homes on house watch. <laughs> so the cops were always driving by. So the house. they said, "Oh, we don't do community policing anymore. 
but they would come and do house watch. Mm-hmm. So we were getting a police officer in the neighborhood four times every day. Wow. And that drastically shut down. Oh, state. I mean, there's going to be a lot less drug deals if you know that there's a cop That's coming right. around the corner. So it's being creative mm-hmm. and thinking, how can we accomplish the same thing? And even if we didn't have the resources, but we have people. And so, but anyways, that's really how, how I got into community development and making a community better is seeing issues, addressing them, and then backing up of seeing what caused them. Mm-hmm. So um, another initiative that we had done was start an after school program. Okay. Because in doing these surveys and asking people, what would you like to see happen? You hear constantly, our kids are struggling. Okay. And they're not reading, they're failing. So I found, doing some research, I found out that uh, third grade was very pivotal. Third grade is where they stopped learning how to read, and now they're reading to learn. Yeah. And it was pivotal because now they start taking these tests to find out how fluent they are. Mm-hmm. And all the kids in the three schools that were in that area, they're 95% were not fluent in English. Oh, wow. 95%, only That's 5% were at standard. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was shocking. So we started having started this after-school program and getting people to volunteer during the hours of school to help kids read and read with them. Mm-hmm. So it was like st- we knew that statistically we can change it. Oh, yeah. It'll take a couple years. But the high school dropout rate was 30, no, the high school graduation rate was 35%. Oh, wow. So who, who that's, if you had means, would you send your kid to that school? No. No. You'll sacrifice and send them out. Mm-hmm. Some of those people were stuck. They couldn't do anything. Yeah. So we started an after-school program, and then it just began to lead to b- bigger things. Um, to And then for me, it was, I love this stuff. And I had finished a, a seminary degree, a master's in theology, because I thought that I was going to go into the pastorate. Okay. And so I'd spent all this time doing speaking engagements. I was teaching churches how to... Um, transforming strategic ideas for things. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily preaching because I loved um, saving people, which I do. I think that's important. Mm-hmm. But there was something I caught a, a, a strong passion for, which is everything has a high calling. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times people think that going into full-time ministry is a high calling. And I come to, to determine that that's incorrect. That's not what... The Bible teaches, the Bible teaches that everyone matters. Everyone, you know, like there's many examples of showing um, the body of Christ is kind of like a body. It's called a body. There's eyes and hands and feet. Mm -hmm. And one can't say one is greater than the other. But yet somehow those in in ministry feel like their calling is higher than a hand or an eye, you know. And it's like that's not consistent. So um, I began to have passion for seeing communities transformed. And so my vision began to change of what if we take our faith and we we put it into practice? Mm-hmm. And that's not typically what a church thinks. Not not a whole lot, no. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I ended up going back to school for a different master's. So I finished my seminary and went straight into um, public administration to do city administration. Okay. And uh, so that's kind of my route. That's amazing. I am... I, I think we are very fortunate to have you in and Brush. I mean, just with all the amazing things you've done. And I mean, I'm thankful that Brush is 
to my knowledge, not not anywhere no, near as like bad as as I guess it is. But I am very excited that you yeah. are a part of Russian. I'm excited to see what what we can do to yeah. to help improve, you know, brush even more and yeah. you know make it an even better place yeah. to live than it already is. Which, on that mm. note, you know, what was it that you know made you go from from Augusta to to little old brush? Well. Um, a rude awakening. So I had known all the department heads and I had talked to many of them and I thought, oh, this will be an easy transition into the city administration of, of Augusta. And I had noticed that there were several positions that were open, assistant city administrator, and then many department head level and then deputy level department heads. And um, I applied for all of them and I couldn't get an interview. Hmm. And I kind of scratched my head, like, what's going on? I know the department head, and they were not even seeing my resume. Wow. And so I was being screened internally. And, you know, after a few weeks, um, I'm kind of scratching my head. What's going on? So I, I have a friend who's also, he's a, the tax commissioner. Okay. And he's one of the most influential people in Augusta. And I asked him, what's, hey, help me understand what's going on. And he told me that I was a threat. Wow. And that uh, internally they were screening me and they were not going to, you're not going to get a chance. Oh my goodness. And you So know, because of all the positive changes, they saw that you were kind of a little bit of a... It was politics. You, you, yeah, you, you were shaking the tree yes. a little bit and, you know, not, not falling in line with the status quo. And yeah, you had people internally that had been jockeying Mm-hmm. No, it's my turn. You're on the outside. You need to do stay your lane. You have to pay your dues. To pay your dues mm-hmm. and to rise up. Wow. And it was eye-opening. Mm-hmm. So it led me to um, realize I learned something from Scripture. A lot of times people will pigeonhole you. And no matter how much you change, they'll still look at you as somebody else. Yeah. And there's a passage in scripture that says, uh, a prophet has no honor in his own town, his hometown. Mm-hmm. They never view you as a prophet. They view you as little Johnny. Right. And so even though you have to go away before they see your worth. Mm-hmm. And it hit me. It's time to move. Wow. And so I sent my resume across the nation. And five cities began to be interested. Um, and so I interviewed five cities Five cities made offers, and Brush was one of them. And so I got to fly out. And it was, but what intrigued me about Brush is when I came here, um, the the lack of politics. Because I remember asking questions to the city administrator and wanting to hear about the, the, the way that our city council works. I want to hear about that. Mm-hmm. Because Augustus was considered a zoo. They were five white and five black, and they were always against each other. And it was always considered a stalemate. Mm -hmm. Dread, what was it called? I can't think. There's a term that they called it. Okay. But anyways, um, Brush seemed to be a city that wants growth, a city that has um, a lot of history 
and a lot of people who love this area that have grown up in this area and they will die in this area mm-hmm. and say so they know and, and and I think that's exciting to come to come to a city that actually um, has a lot of valuable resources and um, the people are just really cool so and on, on top of that um, they needed help in their building department and community development department so planning zoning building economic development and I have a lot of experience in that from yeah. planning, zoning commissioner, uh, downtown development authority, that's economic development, and then working with people to do projects and events. I'm like, I used to do this thing called CityServe, and that was 4,000 volunteers, and wow. I oversaw it. So I, I understand how to that's do a lot of large, to keep track of. <laughs> large projects, and there were 40 projects we did in one day, and oh, there was 4,000 volunteers. Wow. So, yes, it is a beast to organize. Yeah, I mean, that's the almost right the people, population of Brush. <laughs> when they told me we had like 5,500, I was like, wow, I've done projects almost the size of this. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's so neat when you, I mean, you can make an impact because you're not, you're not, it's not 4,000. You're really looking at 20 people. And those 20 people are the ones who organize and who are overseeing the, the masses. Mm-hmm. And uh, you'll never have deep relationships with 4,000, but I can with the 20. And then in the 20, there's probably three that are the closest that I'm working with. Mm-hmm. And then they are the ones who are more my supervisors that will transcend information and make sure we have things that we need. So it's, it's, it's manageable. When you and start it's looking. really, you know, it sounds like about finding those key people. Yes that everybody's going to follow and that if this person, like you were talking about the mayor, you know, mm-hmm. if, if you walk into the neighborhood and the mayor supports this, then everybody else in that neighborhood is going to support it yeah. too because they, <coughs> they value what their opinion. So the thing that impressed me about brush, I remember after the interview, um, did a ride along. And then that night I went to home plate and I ate by myself. And then I um, started talking to people who were sitting around me. And I just started asking questions. What do you like about Brush? Um, tell me tell me something that, you know, the history of why you're here. You've grown up here. You're still here. What is it? And then what would you want to see this place do to make it better? Same questions I was, I'd ask mm-hmm. people in Augusta. And I, not one person had anything negative to say. They were just beaming with joy. They loved, They took so much pride of their little city. And uh, out of all the cities, they were the ones who were the most excited about who they were and where they wanted to go. Mm-hmm. And um, it just, I was intrigued. And then I went and talked to, um, the next day I went and met with Melanie Christensen. Oh, Melanie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the Chamber of Commerce. Yep. Because I had done a lot with the Chamber as well in Augusta. And so I'm like... We're going to have to be tethered, especially with economic development. We're yeah. going to have to work together to see things grow. And she was awesome. I couldn't believe because she had been here for a long time, too. And so oh, yeah. she really knew the history of the downtown and making it better. But um, And on top of that, the city manager had been here for a long time, 15 years. Mm-hmm. And he is, you know, they're wanting to come up with a secession plan of when he retires who would be able to come in? And it was an opportunity that I knew I could grow with the city yeah, and have long-term opportunities for the city. Mm-hmm. So that's what brought me here. It's the people, the opportunities, and then the skills. So I always look at it this way. How, how do you know, if you're in a relationship or in a career change, how do you know that's the right one? 
People always ask those questions. How do you know? How can you be certain that that's the right woman for you or if that's the right job for you? And I've always looked at it this way. Um, I think it's three things that have to take place. Okay. And so for me, it lined up. The first thing is, are you gifted? Is there a gift set that you know that you can do? Second, is there passion? Do you desire to do this? Mm-hmm. And third, is there opportunity? Because if those three don't line up, then you can never say, I'm called to do that. Right. And for me, I felt gifted. I was extremely excited. And in the city of Brush offered me the opportunity. Mm-hmm. So if the city never offered, I could never say, I'm supposed to go to Brush. Right. Or I may be gifted, but I don't care about it. There's mm-hmm. no passion. And they make an offer. Well, I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. There's got to be a desire for that. And, um, or what if I have a desire? I want to, I want to be the president and I, there, and, and then I feel like I'm skilled to do it, but then I have to be elected. Mm-hmm. So I'll never be president without being elected, but they're never going to elect somebody who's not gifted. Right. You know, so like all those three things mm-hmm. have to line up or, or even in the relationship, there's gotta be, I desire, I have been, I'm not, I'm, I've been preparing myself to do this. And then she said, yes. <laughs> Thankfully, <right? laughs> so that's how I have concluded I'm supposed to be here because they wanted me to be here mm-hmm. and I wanted to be here and I felt skilled to be here and what a way to to welcome into brush right mm-hmm. right right as as COVID hit that, oh I know crazy <laughs> you know it wasn't even a warm-up it was a okay here you go <laughs> no one could have predicted that no that's mm. that's uh, I mean in the midst of way. COVID I moved here mm-hmm. and I remember having to get formal papers just to drive through the city in case the police asked me, why am I, where am I going? You're mm-hmm. supposed to be at home locked down. Yeah. And uh, so I had to get special papers, you know, signed from the city of Augusta to allow me to leave. Um, and then on top of that, uh, my family's from Atlanta. Okay. Um, and so leaving a big city, going a 24-hour drive. Oh, goodness. And... Uh, you know, just all on hopes of what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then my wife um, began to look for a job, and she's now the athletic director for the um, the secondary school at Brush. Okay, so, that's awesome. Um, super thankful for that. Just neat to see her. Cause she was an athletic director in Augusta. Okay. So she had the same skills to do that. And then my son's in high school here, so he's a junior. So how, it's hard on all of us to mm-hmm. uproot. I mean, it's... Especially for your son, that's a that's a tough yeah. age yeah. right there to yeah. kind of. But move. he's connected well, and uh, he's made friends, and he plays sports, and he's contributing for the sports teams, and so, COVID's been crazy because I like to network and interact with people, and we had to turn to Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, it's you can only connect so much through Zoom, and I think yeah. even by now people are just so zoomed out they they want that in-person meeting they want that in-person connection can you and all their events have been canceled and so now there's this desire for people to reconnect Mm -hmm. and uh you know come back and do things so it's going to be really neat this next year this 2021 is going to be fun to see how brush comes back and the community begins to reconnect see things greater and excited to be part of it Mm -hmm. definitely so um on that note, um, are there any changes or improvements that you know you would like to see? Yes. In Brush. Yes. So I'm very fortunate 
by <clears throat> being, you know, the economic development focused and community development that the city has purchased a building downtown. Okay. And so it's 304 Clayton Street, and it's being remodeled, and we're going to move all the building department over there. Okay. And so that will be a place where people will come and get their permits, talk about zoning issues, um, board of adjustments, planning and zoning, the commission meetings, um, and then opportunities for investors and developers to come talk about um, what their ideas are and if it fits in with our uh, comprehensive plan. Um, changes that will be coming that we're already looking at is our city is um, fabulous, but we're behind the times in many things. And I'm excited about updating our building codes. Okay. So currently we're at the 2003 International Residential Code and International bu- uh, bis- Building Code. Okay. So bu- building is on the commercial side, the residential code is on the residential okay. side. So it kind of says that. But we're 2003. And so um, some people may like that because it's older standards, right? but it's actually hurting our city, especially when you get into the big ISO ratings for cities that mm-hmm. do insurance ratings. You're paying much higher in your premiums because our city's standards are so low. Right. And so by updating them to newer standards, your insurance ratings will actually drop. Okay. And so we're going to be moving... To fr- from the 2013 code to the 2018 code. Wow. So that's a significant that's, jump. That's a big jump, yeah. And the thing that's really encouraging to me is all the other cities around us are also moving to 2018. Okay. So Fort Morgan, Wiggins, and Sterling, they're all going to 2018. Okay. So that's good for all of us because a lot of times it's difficult for a contractor to know which standard each city is. Yep. <clears throat> and so... Um, we want to be consistent. Um, before, usually, the the status quo was each city kind of did their own thing. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't much interaction between. Right. But since I've been here, we've had many regional city managers meetings so that we can get on the same page. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us are new together, so there's not this old... Yeah, d- that, that's not how we way. do things. We do things this yes. way. Yep. And so there's this... We're going to work together. Let's mm-hmm. let's drop this animosity that we have towards our cities. I mean, we're a regional. We need each other. Um, our communities are so dependent on each other right now. Do we need two Walmarts? No. But what could we use to complement our cities and start thinking of economic development that way? Mm-hmm. Thinking strategically together because whatever we do will benefit you. But let's yeah. make sure that we're talking about it so that we can benefit our communities. Mm-hmm. So we're doing that. We're changing um, the cities all around us have contractor licensing that a contractor has to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're the only ones that don't Okay. in brush. And so now it's because if a contractor wants to do work in the city, they would call Fort Morgan, Mike Kirkendall, and he would sign him up on the registration to make mm-hmm. sure he's doing, he's got his license, uh, he's insured and bonded, um, and he's in the system. Mm-hmm. So that if there's any... Any discrepancies, they know how to get in touch with him, right. and 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 it protects the city people that they have quality contractors coming in. Right. And Brush doesn't have that. No. So we we, I get called all the time <laughs> of people being taken advantage of. Oh yeah. Or coming driving through and seeing a a guy doing work without permits, and he's been around doing it for twenty years and he's never had to talk to anybody. It's like no, that's not 
Mm-hmm. You're lying to me because every every contractor and builder knows you have to get permits before you start a project. Oh yeah. So again, we're trying to all get on the same page mm-hmm. so that we're protecting the city, the people, and doing it the way it's supposed to be. So yeah, there's change coming. Yeah. So I mean, I can definitely see it'll there'll be some growing pains with that because I yeah. think especially in brush because people aren't aren't used to it. It's kind yeah. of going to be. A little bit odd to yes. them to, oh, wait, you mean I have to do yeah. this now? Yep, you're right. But I do I do see how it will be definitely more beneficial. And I mean, especially with homeowner's insurance. Yeah. I mean, that's the one thing that I always tell my clients that it can make your payment go up by a couple hundred dollars or it can make it go down yeah. by a couple hundred dollars just with how updated the electrical is mm-hmm. and, you know, the roofing and all this stuff. That little stuff mm-hmm. you know definitely makes a difference for sure yeah or even inspections mm-hmm. uh, when you get a building permit you're supposed to get you know the property supposed to be inspected pre mid and final yeah and Fort Morgan all the cities do that and it's the same contractors who are doing in Fort Morgan and brush mm-hmm. so brush has just been taken advantage of for a long time because the standards yes. have always been low so it's exciting to be part of that to make it better um, but on the other hand, it's like um, there's so much excitement going on with, with Brush. Um, we're, we're trying to keep the city more informed of what's going on. So we're going to start posting things regularly uh, on our website and Facebook, uh, encouraging people to come to city council meetings. Mm-hmm. I had a guy call me the other day saying, you know, I'm from Fort Collins. I just moved here, and we were able to have chickens downtown. Why can't we have chickens in brush? And I'm all the way out in the rural area. I don't understand this. I I, I talked to that gentleman. <laughs> so, I had somebody call me about the same thing. He's like, I'm going to call the city man. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Well, you call him, but you can't have chickens in town. I'm sorry, but you can't. <laughs> yeah. So I told him, come to the city council meeting. Inform the council members that you desire to see this. And, and let's do the history of why why did we change the, the, the ordinance to not allow this. If there's interest from the community, the city council's, you know, open to, to, to making revisions and amendments to the code. So he came, and he and the council was very receptive. And um, who knows, we may change it to allow chickens, <laughs> but we'll do some research. And now it's it's on their radar. Mm-hmm. That's what our community should do. They should be active. Yeah. If they are in support or um, not in support of something, they should vocalize that and 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 see things. Let, let the council see it from a different perspective. Definitely. So do you have any tips for any homeowners that are maybe planning on doing some renovations to their house? I know spring is, you know, usually when everybody gets out there and, you know, starts doing projects on their house. Yeah. And, you know, any tips for them? Yeah. So some tips are um, it's always better to call our office before you start doing projects. A lot of times people think because it's my house, I don't need to get a permit. And I can understand that because typically people don't care until it's personal. Right. And then, oh, wait a minute. I don't care if you, well, wait a minute. I care if my neighbor's doing it and it's going to devalue my house. Mm -hmm. And so I don't want him to put up something that's going to be an ugly eyesore. So it's always better that I shouldn't assume that. We should assume assume the best for people. Right. But that's not what happens. Mm -hmm. People typically do what they want to do because they think they can do it without consequences. So it's always best to call the city and make sure you're speaking to 
um, somebody who understands the business, uh, I mean, uh, the billing codes and okay. just say, is this appropriate? Do I need a permit for this? So typically if it's exterior, any exterior change to your house, you need a permit. So, except for painting a house, okay, you don't need a permit to paint your home, uh, but to put siding, to replace siding or windows, exterior doors, you need permits, fences, okay. con- concrete work, roofing work. Okay. Um, those are all going to need, or even putting a shed, a shed that's less than 120 square foot okay. is going to need a permit or uh, will not need a permit if it's less than 120 feet greater, okay. you'll need that. Okay. So it's 10 by 12. If it's going to be greater than 10 by 12, you'll need a permit. If okay. it's less than 10 by 12, you do. But those are easy questions that mm-hmm. I can answer and talk to them yeah. or come by and meet with me. Um, I think the biggest issue that we have in Brush right now is uh, a desire to have rental properties because yeah. we're in such a housing deficit right now. We need mm-hmm. housing. And so you have some homes that have two dwellings on a property. Right. And a lot of people will call. So maybe it was a house and it was a garage, and then they, their mother-in-law ended up moving in, and they converted into a little apartment for her, and now maybe the house is resold, and now you have this apartment in your back, and they want to rent that out. Okay. That's a, a prime mm-hmm. example that I get calls on. The problem is our code doesn't allow that. Mm-hmm. It allows it for the use of what it was designed for, a mother-in-law suite, a carriage house kind of concept. Right. It was not designed to be an extra rental property, mm-hmm. income property. The code says you can have uh, one dwelling per property, not dwellings. Mm-hmm. Now, a, a duplex is one dwelling, but has multifamily. Right. So that's that's allowable, but mm-hmm. two separate principal structures is what the code would call it, is not okay. allowed. And so you may see some that have it, and that's considered a non-conforming structure. Mm-hmm. It allows it to continue. They just t- can't give them, the next person who owns it, they don't get the same right. You'd have mm-hmm. to apply for a variance and most likely that will be denied mm-hmm. because it then opens a precedent changes how right. things are going to done so that's an that's a big issue mm-hmm. that we're dealing with in in brush right now yep. well i know the biggest one i see is people that you know maybe when they remodeled or something had you know older kids or if i members and they put a you know rough in kitchen in yeah. the basement yeah. and they go to sell it and they you know say well person that wants to buy it says oh well then i can rent the bottom part right because it's it's a rental like well yeah depends on how it's zoned yeah if it's zoned as residential then technically no you can't rent it because it's not supposed to be a rental unit it's supposed to be just a basement yeah so you got to talk to the city yeah i can't tell you that you can rent it that's right you can't so just like (laughs) the rule of thumb is don't assume don't Mm -hmm. assume you can't just call the city, mm-hmm. and then we can confirm and look up, make sure you're in the right zoning for that use. And if it's not, is it is it permissible to, you know, usually the code will say um, you have the right to get a permit to do that change. And then it, it may be questionable, so you, it could be a right to do a special use, but you'd have to go mm-hmm. through the city council or the staff to then review it, and then there's a board that would look at it, and then the and they would make a recommendation to council. But it's a special use, and it takes months to do a special use. Oh, goodness. Um, here's another thing that I have. Realtor, real estate agents will call me and, and assume because a property, say it's in the commercial area, mm-hmm. and it's a, a residential house, and in in the, it's being okay. used for residential. Mm-hmm. And they, they put on the market and marketing as another residential use. 
The problem is the code doesn't allow that. Right. So th th that's a special use to be allowed in the commercial. And so you can't market that as a potential. They would have to reapply, even if it's sold, reapply for special use to allow residential in the commercial area. Uh, okay. And that's always, I get, that's probably the dominant question I get from mm -hmm. real estate agents. Yep. Well, and I know there's definitely a property in Airbrush right off of Edmonds that kind of is, is light, that it's... Mm -hmm. It's got half of it's a house, yeah. and then the other half of it is two sheds that at one point in time, I'm guessing, might have been a mechanics shop mm -hmm. or, or something. So there's there's definitely quite a few, and I know there's a couple of them downtown that it's commercial on the bottom, and then they have their apartment upstairs. Yeah, that's right. So in those areas, it's called commercial core, and that's allowable. Okay. And it's designed to kind of have loft living, mm -hmm. so you can have live, work, and play in that area. Uh, but that's just in that zone in the commercial okay. core. Commercial is, is not allowed. Mm -hmm. You can't have residential in there unless it's special use only. Gotcha. And it's and it's always determined by case only. It's not mm -hmm. a right for everyone. It's not a guarantee Correct. that you're going to be. Yeah. That and so when you're marketing it, it has to be marketed commercial. Mm -hmm. And then you can talk to them. There's possible, po you know, potentially, because it was done that in the past. And um, but if it's controversial. Like, there's one case that I'm looking at right now where it's in a commercial area and he has two properties, I mean, two two principal structures on one property and he wants them to both be residential. Oh, and now okay. it's like, wait a minute, the code doesn't allow it, but you're wanting residential and have two prop, two parcels, I mean, two structures on one. It, it, it's like, it's crazy. The code, mm -hmm. doesn't, the code doesn't speak to that. It only speaks on one dwelling. Um, and I have no authority to allow it. Mm -hmm. I can only give authority what the uh, the code says. So it's it's one of these like oh it's That's crazy. That's definitely a tough one. Crazy, yeah. Because I mean you have enough to deal with which is residential and yeah, and now you got multi dwellings on on yeah. one lot. It'd be easier to allow that in a residential zoning, mm -hmm. and I think it'd be easier to pass in a board of adjustments kind of thing. Yeah. Because it's already residential. You're just out. It's a carriage house kind of concept. Mm -hmm. But in the commercial, it makes it a challenge. Yeah, and definitely. once you open that up, but there's demand for housing right now, not demand for commercial. Yeah. I mean, we do have commercial um, space, but, I mean, we're more of a bed and bedroom community right now. Mm -hmm. We're moving towards developing our commercial and especially our uh, industrial areas. You know, with Colorado land processors and the city's getting ready to really put some energies and develop that area out there and bring more business out there. Good. So that's coming. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm excited to see what happens yeah. with that. So now let's do some fun, more fun questions. Um, who is the person or persons that most inspires you? Most inspires me? Um, <clears throat> I would say there's two people that inspire me um, beside my faith in Christ. Okay. You know, be like, I could talk about that, but real people um, is a old church history person by the name of John Calvin. Okay. And when I was in seminary, I remember reading about this guy who loved to preach the gospel, but he also had a passion for community development okay. where he was part of developing roads and housing and hospitals. And I remember in seminary being floored, like there's somebody like me. Mm -hmm. Like, I desire, I'm not just bent on one side. I want to see things happen in the community. And I was blown away by the things that he accomplished. Mm -hmm. The second is 
a pastor that I met um, in a small town called Villarica, Georgia. Okay. And he was a pastor of a small Presbyterian church, but he was on the downtown development authority. Okay. And that's rare because mm-hmm. usually your church is only allows your pastors to be part of preaching the gospel. Yeah, but you know, he was giving his life wow. like John Calvin mm-hmm. into the community doing big economic development projects. Okay. And I thought for the first time there's a real life guy like who's who's desiring for who's who has the desire for me. Mm-hmm. And then two months later the church let him go because they didn't want him to be involved in the community. Oh my goodness. And he ended up going back into city management in Florida. That's crazy. And I was blown away going, I see how this stuff works. Mm -hmm. This is my passion. And there's two people that I've seen live it out. Wow. I'm going to have to look up some of those people. That (laughs) that sounds like, you know, they'd be great examples of, you know, just what one person can accomplish. If you you have the goal and the mindset to want to, you know, see change happen and actually, you know, put your feet to the ground, so to speak. And do that. Um, it's interesting. There's a, a passage in scripture says, um, you, sh- you, you talk about your faith without works. I'll show you my faith through my works in, in James. I like that. And it's like, no, it's words are cheap. Action speaks volumes. Oh yeah. And then it's more powerful when someone says, why do you do that? Now you have an opportunity to tell them. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing I learned from medical device sales. You go in there and you do things and then it gives you the right to then come back. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to take advantage of a situation, but it's it's awesome when you have an opportunity and it's a welcomed opportunity. A door opens because they mm-hmm. want you to be there. Yep. So that's that's kind of my my motto. I like that. I'm gonna have to put that somewhere. That I like that motto. I, I don't. I'm faithful, but I don't remember hearing that scripture. So I probably didn't pay attention <laughs> during that one. But I'm gonna have to look it up and, and write it somewhere. I I do like that one a lot because I think that's, you know. Very, it's a good way of thinking, and it's definitely a good mm-hmm. scripture that I think really, like you said, it kind of gets lost, you know, yeah. sometimes in in some religions is, yeah. you know, you go to church and they preach, do this, but then many people leave and then yeah. don't do anything. Yeah. And it's... I'll, I'll, I'll let you peek behind the curtain a little bit, too, of how I think. Um, I can't divorce my faith in what I do. Mm-hmm. Just can't do it because it is it's the foundation to allow me to see my community different, and I believe all things are important. I believe all things matter. I believe picking up trash. No one's beneath a role that they can't do. Mm-hmm. So I'll go pick up trash. I'll do whatever. I, it doesn't matter. It's like my title doesn't um, give me privilege to not be able to do something. Mm-hmm. No, it's we're all considered servants. But there was a time in my life where I was struggling. Okay. Struggling with um, in, wanting encouragement, um, needing that attaboy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you give and give and give, and it's just nice to have someone give back to you. Right. And I remember I was in my office, and I remember pulling out my scriptures, trying to find something for encouragement. Mm-hmm. And I came across this passage that has been with me ever since, and I think about it every day. In fact, mm-hmm. I'm telling you about it because I'm thinking about it right now. But... Um, it's Psalm chapter 37, verses 4 through 6. And it says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Trust in him, commit your way to him, and he will do this. Hmm. Now I'm intrigued. 
And it says, and he will make your righteousness shine like the dawn. And your justice cause will be like the noonday sun. And it, as I began to wade in those waters, I began to think about it and think about it. And we all have desires. Mm-hmm. But what, sometimes I wonder what our desires are. Are they good desires? Right. And if, are they godly desires? And if I'm trusting in him, he's going he's gonna to conform me mm-hmm. to desire bigger things. Oh, yeah. And it's interesting because the, the this and he will do this, it starts with me. Mm-hmm. It says, in your righteousness will shine like the dawn, meaning it's dark, mm-hmm. but light is coming. Yep. There's hope and it's going to start with me and then it extends into the community. Mm-hmm. And your justice cause will be like the noonday sun and the darkness is gone. Mm-hmm. And that's what inspires me because it doesn't that's... mean it's big that you have to do. It just start. Mm-hmm. And then you start seeing life differently and you start seeing people and you start seeing places differently. And then you'll be like, I'm willing to go. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to do that. I'll pick up trash. I don't care what it is. Just have presence. Having a presence there and loving people, loving communities and seeing things change will change everything. Mm-hmm. So that's what motivates me. And that's why I'm excited about being here. To be and honest. I'm, honestly, I'm very excited to have you. I, I'm hearing you talking. I don't think we've had the opportunity to talk. Yep. Like this, but that just makes me even more excited mm-hmm. because I, you know, that's one of the things that I'm very passionate mm-hmm. about is trying to help make the community better, yep. you know, and volunteer and mm-hmm. do anything I can to try to make it a better place yep. where people want to live. I, you know, I did, I wasn't born here, but I did grow up here, you know, and I can remember ever since I was, you know, even younger, there's volunteer here and let's volunteer there and yeah. let's do this and I have I have people that are like well but you're not going to get paid like n- no yeah. well, I'm not going to get paid so then why are you doing it because I want to help people yeah. Yeah. well yeah but you're not going to get paid no I'm not doing it to get yeah. paid I'm doing it because I want to do it If I want to help yeah. I'm not doing it because of paycheck yeah. I get my job for my paycheck I want to do it to make things better to help improve and I remember meeting you, I think it was at Lions Club and Rotary Club. Mm-hmm. And those those were important to me because you surround yourself with like-minded people. Yeah. And you want to be around people who will give back. Mm-hmm. And you know the majority of people will not give back. But that doesn't motivate me or discourage me. It just means go lead. Mm-hmm. And leadership causes others to follow. Yeah. And, and I want to be around people who are like-minded. That it keeps me in check. But also, keep, I help to keep them in check of, like, uh, it's not wasted. We're not wasting our time. Mm-hmm. This is important. Things yep. will change. Just have hope. Yeah. And, you know, a little, few like-minded people get together, and then, yep. you know, a little bit at a time, and then yep. a little bit more people, you know, start seeing change, and mm-hmm. then they want to be a part of that change. So that's absolutely that's kind of how it starts. Well, I appreciate very much you taking the time to to join me to me yes. it's been a pleasure and i'm very excited and very glad that we have you great working with the city i'm great. excited to hopefully work on some projects with you in the future definitely hey everybody thanks so much for tuning in and listening if you haven't already please be sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any of my future episodes also if you enjoyed the content please share it with a friend 